Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. Well, good evening, everyone. Hey, you even know my name. <laughs> my name is James. Glad to be with you tonight. Um, if this is your um, first time here, or if you've been to church before around Christmas time, and this is a little different than usual, that's okay. Um, we are so glad you are here. You are in the right place. Um, we, believe, we are very much a baseball cap and a rubber boots kind of church. Um, can I get an amen? <laughs> and the reason we, uh, we care about that is because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And we believe that God likes to take ordinary people like you and like me and make our lives extraordinary. That is what is so cool about the Christmas story. And Jay kicked off our sermon series last week, and this series is called With Us, which comes from this term that he explained for us last week um, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was a name that was given to Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. If you missed that sermon and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, that again, that is okay. We have a podcast. You can go on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check that out. comes out every Tuesday. But Jesus is God with us. The way that John puts it in his gospel is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The God of the universe didn't stay far off and distant, but actually put on a body and came and dwelt among us. The word dwelt there is tabernacled. God put up a tent and came and lived with us. The Christmas story is all about Jesus, who is God living with us. He wants to do life with us. He wants to get to know us. And the good news for us tonight is that Jesus didn't make, just make his entrance 2,000 years ago and then leave us to figure it out all on our own. God still wants to be with us. He is still so, so concerned and goes so far out of his way to be present in your life. He wants to get to know you here and now. The, the good news of Christmas is good news for us today too. God still wants to be with us. But just like in the Christmas story, God doesn't always show up in big, flashy ways. In fact, oftentimes, he shows up as a baby in a manger. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person who sees when God is with us, the kind of person who knows what God is up to, the kind of person who stops and notices how God is working in a space, in a place, and in my own life. The problem is, is that there are things going on in our lives all of the time. There are things right in front of us that we don't notice. There are things right in front of us that we miss out on. There are things that we, because we are going so fast and we're living so hurried, as Jay talked about earlier, we're going at such a breakneck speed that oftentimes we miss some of these important things in our lives, including the fact that God is with us, which is why we're going to dedicate some time tonight to talking about how God is with us in solitude. Yes, solitude. 
everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> but seriously, though, how many of us know that we need to spend some time alone every once in a while? All of the introverts said amen or didn't because they're introverts. Um, but how many of us, especially this time of year, you know, you get the whole family, even the crazy uncle all together for Christmas, how many of us know that we need some time alone afterwards? <laughs> Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. But many of you, because I've talked to you, you enjoy your time alone. You enjoy going for a walk on the beach. And I didn't think I was going to be able to say this, but man, today would have been a great day for that. We had some great weather today. Um, some of you love getting out in the woods, sitting in your deer blind for hours on end, and that is awesome. It's good to spend that time alone. The problem is, though, is that in our modern world, we're, we're, we're struggling with two different tensions. You see, in our, in our modern world, we're never together, and we're never alone either. We're never together, not fully, and we're never alone either. You would think that in Little Barrington, Nova Scotia, this wouldn't be so much of a problem for us, but having been here the last couple of years, I'm noticing that we are slowly but surely catching up to places like the city. Because you see, we spend so much time in our own little worlds, so focused on all that we, and we have a lot on the go, but we spend so much time focused on our own little worlds that we never really are together. We never really connect one to another. You know, we, and it's, it's hard in a small town because many of you all know each other. You wave to each other on the street. You say hello in the grocery store. But there's not that soul level connection. There's not that deep conversation. There's not that deep sense of community, which is why Jay spent last week talking about community, the church, the body of Christ, how we need to be together. It's so important. We need to be together. But at the same time, we also struggle with the fact that we're never really alone. Even when we're by ourselves in a space, We've still got these bad boys. We're always connected. It's not a true kind of connection, but we're always connected to something. There's always noise. The TV's always on at, at home. The radio's always on in the truck. Facebook is always giving us notification after notification after notification. There's so much noise. Or let me put it to you this way. How many of us have dropped our phone on our face before? Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about. You're laying in bed, trying to fall asleep. You've had a busy day. You've got too much on your mind. You're scrolling through TikTok or whatever you Yahoo's watch. And you're falling asleep. And then all of a sudden, it slips and basically takes your two front teeth out. <laughs> Why on earth do we have these things in our bed? Is there not a moment where we can ever really unplug and unwind? Why do I feel like I need to have this with me in order to sleep? Serious question. Like, this, this, is, the, this is the world we're living in. <laughs> I know, I feel it too. I feel it too. And it's, studies have shown it's because we are so scared of being alone with our thoughts that we cover up 
every waking moment with noise. We are terrified to be alone. But Jesus was not scared to be alone. In fact, he was often led by the Holy Spirit to go into what Scripture calls the desert, the desolate place, but lonely places. He would go off by himself. He would disconnect. He would get away from community. He would get away from his work, from his ministry, and he would go and be by himself, which is wild because the dude only had three years to save the whole world. The guy had three years to save the whole world, but yet he still took time to go off by himself and be alone. You don't believe me. There's so many instances of it. We're going to rapid fire through these. Just hear me out. Let me prove my point. Okay. Here's a bunch of verses that I found in a 15-minute Google search. There's probably more. Matthew 14, 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 1, 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark 6, 46, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 4, 42, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. Luke 5, 16, he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Luke 6, 12, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. John 6, 15, perceiving then that they were about to take him to make him king, Jesus withdrew again onto the mountain by himself. Did Jesus practice solitude? Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) But I feel the need to pause here because for some of you that you've been following Jesus for a while, when you hear something like that, you're like, oh man, either, wow, I've never thought of this before, or, oh wow, this is like, I don't do that. I don't get alone by myself to pray, and you're feeling this pressure building and building of, oh my goodness, I am just a failure of a Christian. That is not what this message is for tonight. We are not here to condemn. This message is not a condemnation saying you need to add more to your life. You need to do better. You need to get your act together. That is not what we're talking about here. My hope and my prayer is that this message would invite you into a whole realm of reality of experiencing God as God with you. This is an opportunity to make space in your life to experience God with you. This isn't condemning. This is an invitation. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about Jesus' time in solitude. It's not something that we talk about a whole lot about in church. So if this is new information for you, don't feel bad. It was many, many years into my walk with Jesus before I ever practiced solitude because we don't talk about it. But I just got to say, friends, for me, this has been so essential for my walk with Jesus and experiencing God with me. And I think it was for Jesus too. You see, we don't know much about Jesus' times in solitude because, well, He was in solitude. 
Nobody was taking notes. He was there by himself. There's a couple of instances that we get a little bit more detail, but those would have been stories he told the guys after the fact. And it's really hard to put into words sometimes when we have a profound encounter with God, when we have a moment with God the Father, if you're not there to experience it firsthand, it's often really hard to explain. So we don't really know a whole lot about Jesus's times in solitude, but we do have access to someone else's prayer journal. You see, there's this whole book of the Bible called Psalms, and Psalms is this really wild and fun and wacky book um, full of different prayers and songs by a variety of people, most of them by this guy named David, who was a king who started out as a shepherd boy and a musician. And so we have access to David's prayer journal. So our teaching text for today is going to be Psalm 139. And this prayer doesn't explicitly name solitude, but for me, it, the way it's structured, the things that it talks about, some of the concepts it unpacks, really, I identify it with my experience of solitude. There are things that are true in this passage that are also true in my life when I get alone with God. So there are three aspects of solitude from this passage that we're going to focus on today. Are you ready? Here we go. Solitude is where God searches us and knows us. Psalm 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. O Lord, you have... Pause. We're going to pause there. O Lord, you have... The first thing we have to realize is solitude is not about what we can accomplish. It's not about getting alone and getting um, spiritual cred, if you will, because I spent 15 minutes alone. No, this is all about what God is up to. This is all about creating space for God to work in our lives. Any math people out there? This is always a dangerous question to ask. Any math people out there? Okay, two of you. I can count that because I'm kind of a math person. <laughs> Just slightly. When it comes to spiritual disciplines, there's a addition and there's subtraction. There are things that we add into our life to be more like Jesus, and there are things that we take away from our life to be more like Jesus. There are things that we do to be more like Jesus, and there are things that we don't do to be more like Jesus. Solitude is in the subtraction category. It's about the taking away. It's about the creating space. So if you're feeling pressure tonight, if you're here and you're burnt out, you're tired, and you're like, I can't add something else into my calendar, then this is for you. Solitude is an opportunity to take away, to take a breath, to get away from people, to get away from the hustle and the hurry, to get away and be alone with God, to let God search us and know us, to search us and know us. That word know is so interesting. It's, it's, it's not a head knowledge. It's not something you read in a book. This kind of knowledge is experiential. We're going to get a little PG-13 here. You guys are terrified. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. I'm rip roar ready to go. <laughs> We're getting PG-13. That was perfect timing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Okay. PG-13, here we go. The word here for no is yada, which is the same word for in Genesis where it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived a son. This is a intimate, personal kind of knowledge. This is a kind of knowledge that only comes through experience. You can't learn it in a book. You have to know it for yourself. God wants to know you personally. And as, the, as this very psalm points out, he knows everything about you, but he wants to experience you. But he's been there since the beginning. 139 verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. There's that same word yada again. My soul knows it very well. So solitude isn't just an invitation for God to know us, but it's also an invitation for us to know him. Do you know his works well tonight? Do you know God personally tonight? Can your soul say tonight that you know the works of God very well? For David, that was true because he had spent time with God. This kind of knowledge of God doesn't come from a sermon. You can't get this from listening to someone else share about it. You can't get this from a small group. This is the kind of knowledge of God that comes from getting alone in a room, just you and him, and listening to the heart of the Father who loves you so deeply and so desperately, who is so passionate about having a relationship with you. He already knows everything about you. He was there from the very beginning, and yet... He wants to spend the time to get to know you. He knows the information, but he wants to experience you, and he wants you to experience him. In solitude, we invite God to know us, and we get to know him. He already knows it all, but he wants that relationship with us. And just like when you get to know another person... When you spend time face-to-face -face getting to know each other, you not only learn about them, but you also learn a lot about yourself. And we don't always like that. We don't always like getting to know ourselves. It's not always pleasant. And this brings us to the second important aspect of solitude from this passage. Solitude is where our pain comes to the surface. Solitude is where our pain comes to the surface. So I was talking to my uncle Bubbles on Monday. Yes, his name is Bubbles. No, he's not a trailer park boy. <laughs> he lives in a lovely house in Florida. <laughs> I was FaceTiming with him, and I was telling him that I was going to be preaching on solitude, and in a way that only he can, with a big old smile, he chuckled to himself and said, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense for them to have the introvert who lives alone preach on solitude. <laughs> I was like, yep, fair point. <laughs> that does kind of make sense. So I feel like I have to clarify 
that solitude isn't just a spiritual discipline for introverts, even though that is the case for me. This is something for everybody. And it's also important to clarify that this isn't just introvert me time. This isn't just where I get to go on my spa day by myself. That can be an aspect of it, but that's not the whole point. You see, we live at such a fast pace. We are go, go, go. We have the weight of the world on our shoulders. And so when we finally stop and slow down and breathe and have space, then all the worries that we push down with our busy schedule, that we push down with the noise, that we try to distract ourselves from, they all come up to the surface. That's why when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, all the worry starts to come up. All those things that you've been trying to ignore all day, you can't ignore them anymore. So what do we do? Well, in 2023, we pop an AirPod in, we sleep with our headphones on, and we fall asleep to whatever YouTube video is on our feed that day. That is not the solitude of the way of Jesus. That's the kind of solitude that the world offers. The world says, get away from it all. Take some you time. It's all about you. Get away from your family. Ignore them. Get away from your work. Ignore that. Get away from your pain. You don't need to feel that. Go sit in the woods alone by yourself. Have a great time and come back and make some money. That, that's the solitude that the world offers. The solitude of the way of Jesus is not about detaching from reality. It's about plunging right into the heart of it. It's about letting our pain bubble to the surface. That's why I love the way that David prays in Psalm 139. Because when that pain comes up, we pray it out to God. We release it to God. We're going to experience it, but then we surrender it. David spends 18 whole verses going on and on and on in this beautiful, theologically rich language and this poetry about how good God is, how he's been there through all our lives, how we can't be separated from him. And then he comes to a dead stop in verse 19. And he says, and I quote, this is the Bible, this isn't me, this is the Bible. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. God, could you just kill these people, please? <laughs> he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. He's, in verse 22, he says, I hate them with complete hatred. That doesn't sound very Christian. <laughs> Are you sure that's in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible. Someone prayed that. A man after God's own heart prayed that. Because we need a safe space to pray those real gnarly prayers to God. Because if you do not have a safe place to release this pain, this hurt, and this tension to God, it's going to either come out to other people and hurt them, or you're going to stuff it deep down and cause harm to yourself. We need the safe space that solitude provides to get alone with God and be real with him. To pray things that you shouldn't pray in church. To pray things that you can only pray when it's just you and God. You have to have an outlet for it. You have to have a safe space to share it because then you can surrender it. 
then it's not yours anymore. You give it up to Jesus. He heals you from it. He deals with it. He hears our prayers. And you know what, guys? He can handle it. He can take it. He is so much bigger. He has so much more grace than we can ever comprehend. He can take it. He's been through it all. And that's why it's so important for us to realize this third aspect of solitude. That solitude is where we know that we are not alone. Solitude is where we know that we are not alone. It sounds counterintuitive, but it is so, so true. Because sometimes you have to get alone to realize that you are not alone. God's not going anywhere. He's been with you this whole time, which is why I love David's language here in Psalm 139. Verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. No matter how far you feel like you are from God tonight, he is there. You cannot go too far from God. No matter how dark your life may feel right now, it's not too dark for him. For darkness is as light with him. No matter how much pain you are carrying, no matter how much is weighing you down, he can handle it. He has been with you this whole time. He will be with you forevermore. You are not too far gone. God is with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. I started practicing solitude in kind of an unconventional way. Um, and it, it was a practice that, that came to me in a time when I really needed to, to realize that I'm not alone. Solitude has very much been a space for me where I realized that I'm not alone. Because I had um, the privilege of attending Christian school for all of my junior high through high school years. Um, and I had this awesome teacher, um, an English, English teacher. <laughs> she was British and she taught English. Great lady, it was awesome. Um, she was my favorite teacher, um, great friend of the family. Um, we'd spend lots of time my family with her, and uh, tragically, on one weekend, um, we got the news after church that she was at home with her husband and had suffered a brain aneurysm and was gone just like that. I was 15 years old, and this was my first encounter with significant grief with the loss of someone that close to me, my favorite teacher. And I didn't know what to do, and so I went down to the basement of my family's home, 
And I sat on that cold, hard, concrete floor of the basement with my back against the washing machine, and I just wept, feeling all of these things for the first time. And my little stocky five foot four dad slowly and quietly came down the stairs, sat down next to me on that cold, hard, concrete floor. He put his arm around me, and he didn't say a word. He just sat with me there in silence and wept. And that was one of the most significant moments of my life. Because four months later, a regular hospital trip for my dad turned into uh, an emergency um, visit to the ER by ambulance. And they put him in a room, and two days later, he died of cancer. And still, 15 years old, I went back down to the cold, hard, concrete floor of that basement. And I sat down with my back against the washing machine, and I cried, but this time my dad couldn't come and put his arm around me and cry with me. But my heavenly father did. Not in a physical way, but in a way that was so, so real. The God of the universe crawled down on that cold concrete floor and sat there in silence and wept with me. And over the next several months of the grieving process, of processing all of this that I was going through with the loss of my dad, month after month after month, I would go down into that cold basement and God would meet me there. Because in, I needed to get alone to realize that I was not alone. Sometimes you need to get alone to realize that you're not alone. I'm going to invite the, the worship team and the prayer team to come at this time. That's a little bit of my story. That's a little bit of what I'm carrying here tonight. And I have the privilege of getting to know some of you and some of what you're carrying. But I don't know all of you, and I don't know what specific pain you are carrying tonight. But God does. And he wants to bring that pain up to the surface, not to hurt you, but to heal you, to take it from you so that you can surrender it and release it to him. Will you create the space for him to do that? So there's an invitation tonight. There's an invitation this season, this Christmas season, to practice solitude, to spend intentional time alone in the quiet with God. It won't happen on its own. You're not going to find a spare quiet moment. We have to be intentional about it. Set a time, make a plan, get your mom to watch the kids, lock the bathroom door for an extra 15 minutes. I don't know what it's going to take for you, but create that space in your life to get alone with God. I know you're super busy. I know this is the craziest time of the year. I know that you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But solitude is the place where we realize that we're not the ones who make the world spin around. He is. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's holding it together in the palm of his hand. 
and he can hold your whole world together if you make the space to acknowledge how he's been doing it all along. So take 15 minutes this week and just sit in silence alone with God. If 15 sounds scary, do 10. If 10 sounds scary, do seven. If seven sounds scary, do five. It's not about the amount of time. It's about your heart, guys. Your heavenly father loves you so much, and he just wants you to spend time with him. It's not about the amount. It's about taking that first step, about posturing yourself towards him. So turn your phone on Do Not Disturb. Set a timer so that you're not worried about the amount of time, and just sit there and be with God. He wants to be God with you. And if you need help getting started, or if you try it out, and you want to talk through your experience, come see me. Go see Jay. Go see Alex. We would love, love, love to help you in whatever way that we can as you learn to slow down, be still, and know that he is God. So we're going to sing another song, and then we're going to practice communion together. And each time we practice communion, there's an opportunity for reflection, for examining. Just like in solitude, where we create space for our, our stuff to come up to the surface, we do the same thing when we practice communion. So the invitation tonight, as we sing the song and as we reflect on our lives, we, as, we, as the psalm says, ask God to search us and to know us. If there's any ways in our life that we're getting distracted from him, if there's anything pulling us away from God, we confess that, we repent of it, but then we experience his grace. He has far more grace for you than you could ever ask or imagine. There is so much grace, and that's why we practice this every week. God wants to be with you. The kingdom of heaven is near. If you're in need of a touch of heaven tonight, we would also love to pray with you. Please come up for prayer. If this, is, if this is bringing up stuff that's too weighty or heavy to deal with on your own, that's why we're a community. Come and get some prayer. But my prayer is that heaven would touch your life in a special way tonight. Let's worship together. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.